This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing that. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. And your suffering will be legendary even in hell. <laughs> it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're doomed. On our show tonight, we offer up our Takeout series, where we will explore the realms of foreign horror cinema. Our hosts will take you along their travels all over the globe, while diving into some of the most lucid storytelling, savage cannibals, vengeful spirits, sadistic killers, and the post-apocalyptic zombie-plagued landscapes. Join us as we dissect the classics that prove sometimes fear comes with subtitles. L'essere mostruoso che sbrana le sue vittime e si alimenta bevendo il loro sangue. Mutazioni orrende. Delitti raccapricciati. Venerdì alle 20.30 su Odeon. Alrighty, folks. Welcome once again to Cinema Degeneration and our Takeout Edition series where we celebrate everything and anything foreign film related. And we have uh, an oddity for you this evening, or this afternoon, I should say. Uh, and when I usually say we have an oddity for you, but when I say it today, I mean it wholeheartedly from the bottom of my cold black heart. And uh, we are going to be reviewing and dissecting Panic from 1982, a.k.a. Bacterion, a.k.a. Zombie 4, as it was known in uh, France and Spain. But joining me this afternoon is my good buddy, Thomas Berdinsky. How are we doing? Really good, Cameron. Thanks for having me. And yeah, we're, we're definitely putting the uh, the degeneration in our cinema degeneration today. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I hope you can forgive me for making you sit through this because this was a blind <laughs> pick by me. I, hadn't, I, I know you had seen it before, but I had never... I never had the pleasure or rather displeasure of, of seeing this one. So I, I wanted it to at least be one that like one of us hadn't seen. Well, I, I think I told you when you recommended this that I, you know, I had a recollection of seeing this and it was about, I want to say about 15 or maybe even 20 years ago um, when I was researching, making my film, the Italian zombie movie. And I, I was watching, you know, 20 Italian horror films a week when I was researching that one. And this happened to be one of them. And I, you know, I remembered seeing it, you know, it was, I had a memory that I had seen it and I had a memory that I didn't like it, but that was all I had. <laughs> I couldn't, I, couldn't have given you, I couldn't have told you who was in it. I couldn't have told you anything else. So when you threw this out there, I thought, well, you know, times change, tastes change. You know, maybe, uh, maybe my, maybe I'll have a different appreciation of this now that I'm just watching it for entertainment purposes instead of watching it as part of, you know, research. So uh, we shall see. <laughs> so let me ask you a first question off the bat: <laughs> Do you have a different appreciation for this movie? Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think so. I didn't think so. Uh, but, but folks, I, I had uh, I had come across a, this movie as it was suggested on my Tubi list, and I once I saw an Italian production of a movie that I had never seen, and the fact that it starred the one and only David Warbeck, I was just like, you know, I got to see it. It's a David Warbeck movie that I haven't seen, and now I and now. I, and and David Solid, I mean, he was a he was in some good. He was not always in good movies, but he was always good in the movies he was in. Yes, no? yes. I mean, he was in the Beyond. He was in you know Black Cat, Fatal Frames. You know, just all kinds of stuff. And he was always. I mean, he was like the Pierce Brosnan. You know, of the the late seventies, early eighties, even into the nineties. I guess he was working. But yeah, uh, I mean, he his last movie came out what ninety seven, ninety eight, yeah. the ra- razor blade smile. 
Yep, and then he died at only 55. I mean, that's pretty sad. He was a, because I thought I was a, a fine actor. He didn't necessarily get great roles, but he put his all into them. And yeah, when, once you suggested this one, and I saw he was in it, and uh, Janet Agron, too, who's certainly a veteran of a lot of, you know, Fulci films, you know, City of the Walking Dead and Eaten Alive. Not a Fulci film, but, you know. But, but yeah, I got, mean, uh, I recognize her instantly from The Gates of Hell and uh, Hands of Steel. Yeah, and Red Sonia. I mean, she you know she was in a lot of stuff. She had a, a little little acting career there of a you know she was a model before she became an actress and all that stuff. And and I don't know if you know this, but she had a very brief singing career too. So, I did not know that. I knew oh, that she yeah. was 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 a model before she became an yep. actor, but I yep. did Swedish not know she was. A- yep. Quit acting, moved to the U.S., but somewhere in between there, she had a song called Teddy Bear. You have to find <laughs> on, you have to find it on YouTube. There's a video for it, and uh, there's a reason why her singing career was not real long. But uh, it was uh, <laughs> so, like they say, certain sometimes actors shouldn't sing and singers shouldn't act. She's. It's not that she's a bad singer, but the the song is just so. I mean, I think it came out in like 1984, 85. It is so 80s, and everything about the little video is just so 80s variety show look to it and sound and everything. It's like, oh my god. But uh, she's yeah. I, I, she doesn't even mention it on. It's not like on her Wikipedia. It's nowhere to be found. But I knew about it. I don't know where I heard about it. And I happened to just. I had to go rewatch it again to make sure my my recollection was correct. And <laughs> I was. will definitely look it up when the show's over. I'll need a good laugh after this yes, is done. You will. You'll get one. Ah. <laughs> uh, well, let's get right off into the movie. I'll start off as uh, as well, usual with the IMDb synopsis. Oh, I'm sorry. What? Yeah, I was going to say, let's do that, but let's talk a little bit about the crew, too. Right. Let's get the, uh, okay. Panic, a.k.a. Bacterian, is as follows. A scientist experiment with a deadly bacteria goes awry and leaves him horribly deformed. This monstrous man then runs amok in his hometown. Yeah, and that's pretty much the the plot of this movie. You know, throwing a little bit of uh, Umbrella Corporation, Resident Evil, sauciness for, for good measure, and that's the movie that you have. Yeah, and that, that's way, way more succinct and clear than anything that occurs in the movie. So that, that's a heck of a synopsis. Somebody somebody took probably six pages of notes to come up with that synopsis for this movie. So good job, whoever that was. <laughs> but yeah, the director, um, uh, Tonino Rishi, you know, yeah. passed away back in uh, 2014. You know, he... he he lived a long life. He was about 90 years old. So, I mean, he, he had a good run, but he did a uh, Raiders of the Magic Ivory, Night of the Sharks, uh, A Man Called Rage, which I, I remember quite fondly, uh, much more fondly than this movie. Yeah, he was um, this. He's one of the, the few Italian directors who he's his his, his um, he, he's not like memorable. You know, he 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 made a lot of middling movies, movies that you watched and maybe you didn't hate them. You didn't love them and you kind of forgot them. Um, But the uh, what what I thought was interesting on the IMDb, I was reading some of the the comments, which I rarely agree with. But but there was one funny one down there that said basically he was like he was like the the Z grade Bruno Mattei. (laughs) Oh, man. And and that's like being called the Z grade, you know, Tommy Wiseau. Exactly. I mean, it was, it was, I don't think he was quite that level, but I could also see some of the similarities in terms of how he pads his films with, with stock footage. And, you know, there's, there's just a very unfinished feeling to, to many of his films, especially this one. Um, but again, you know, he, like you say, he was certainly experienced. He wasn't like a, a rookie or anything like that. He'd done a lot of films um, over the years and he just never had that one, you know, breakout film, I guess. But uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he he had worked a lot. I saw he had done directed twenty two different projects, but like none of them were really a standout, except maybe a man called Rage. This is about the only one I can think of that I remembered like vividly by name. I, as I say, I think I remember that title, and I'm I know I've seen it, but I I couldn't tell you anything about it. You know, and that's typical, just like uh, Cave of the Sharks and those other ones. I remember scenes from them. You know, just in a cave of the sharks. Oh yeah, I remember that one. Then I'm like, well, what was it about? I really don't remember. And I think it's not necessarily his fault. You know, it's got to do with you know the, the stories that you're given too and stuff like that. So he was he was a uh, you know again, I, I'm sure he was capable. And and this movie showed he was capable of some you know some decent action scenes and things like that. But you know, 
it is what it is here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think it's funny though when we get movies like this that it always comes up with a directed by you know, and it has a very very Americanized name directed yeah. by Adam or Anthony Richmond. Anthony Richmond. But to, like, to to me though the the standout in the crew here when I was looking through the crew was uh, Vincenzo Tomasi, who edited basically all of Fulci's films, all of his good ones. You know, I mean, zombie. I mean, th this guy. Ah. He was, he's a very accomplished editor. And, you know, when I saw his name in the credits, even though that initial credit sequence was really awkward and bad, I thought, <laughs> well, at least this will be, you know, this will have some good editing. Anyway, this guy, he knows what he's doing. And honestly, that was like the weakest point of this whole film was the editing. So I don't know why that is. I just, I had this feeling watching it like we're watching, you and I both, I think, saw the same version. It almost feels like it was cut to fit into a time slot or something um, it felt short even at, yeah. a, at, a, at a flat 90 minutes yeah. it short, felt short like there was short, but, but boring <laughs> yeah boring short but like felt like it was edited for television yeah because like the the, you know the yeah. yeah the gore scenes are very lackluster you don't really see our, our creature or slash mutant until like 40 45 minutes into the movie either yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of things about it that make me feel like if there's a if there's another cut of this movie out there that was maybe 20 minutes longer, you know, it might make this a much better film. But this felt like it was just either, you know, just edited poorly because he didn't have any footage to work with or it was edited to fit some kind of time slot or they ran out of money or who knows. But, um, you know, it was it was just when I saw his name, I was kind of excited, thought, oh, OK, this would be decent. And then uh, <laughs> that was the weak point of the movie. You, um, you, you thought one way, but you thought wrong, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I, and I did like the music. Um, I thought whoever I can't remember the guy's name who did the music. It, it wasn't one. Oh, Marcello Giobini Giambini wasn't a name I was familiar with. But I, I thought he really gave it his all. You know, he, he put the put the suspenseful music in and and all that stuff in where it fit. And, you know, he he was he added added things to the scenes that definitely wasn't there through music. But yeah, the uh, music that I could listen to this soundtrack, like if I had it on like CD or on vinyl or something, I would yeah. sit and listen to it. It's, it's a stellar soundtrack. But besides David Warbeck, it's probably the, the one saving grace of this movie. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. David, you know, does does his his solid job as usual, and the music was good. And and Janet's nice to look at, but she's extremely stiff in this role, and pretty much in everything I've seen her in. I, I shouldn't say I, I haven't seen a whole lot of her films, but you know, she's she's definitely a model first and an actress second. But hey, that's fine. You know. Yeah, but she didn't do bad. She did the best she could with materials she was given, and, and her character was as uh, i think her character's name was uh jane, jane. yeah jane blake but um you know she was underutilized she yeah. almost seemed like an afterthought like they sprinkled her in there like oh we need to break up the monotony of this creature walking around in you know the the, the sewers and these rando random attack scenes and like we're yeah. just going to sprinkle her with david warbeck every every 20 minutes and that's unfortunately what they did and yeah in the beginning you thought she was going to have a big role because you know she she accompanies david to the you know to the site and you know she meets her in the lab and all these things and then all of a sudden they kind of forget about her for about 40 minutes it feels like and yeah yeah, it's yeah. Kind of like, yeah again it just felt like is this just bad editing bad incomplete writing or you know was were they forced into some kind of a uh, situation where they just had to cut stuff out and and they made some bad choices in terms of what they cut out if that was the case but anyway yeah i mean like there's several i'm going to put it quite bluntly random sex scenes in this movie yeah where they don't show anything there's a random shower scene with somebody that i don't even remember who they were they don't show anything it's all very implied you know and well, and, and and we have no idea what her relationship was to anybody you know, it's just like, oh, well, here we'll have this girl taking a shower, and her boyfriend's on his way over, and or she, uh, what is she? She has some weird line like, "Put your skates on," like, and to tell him to hurry over, and then she has yeah. or and, and gets killed. But who, who was she? What, what is she in relationship to anything else? And unfortunately, that's a common theme in this movie: is who was that person, and what does that person have to do with anything? <laughs> right. Right. It's like one of the openings, like the opening scene kind of over the the beginning credits that you were are talking about that are edited yeah. together very poorly. Like when I first saw it, I'm like, ooh, we're kind of getting a Michael Myers point of view shot. Like I, I was excited at first and that mm -hmm. was where my excitement just 
kind of just end. <laughs> and then, yeah. Because it goes right into a couple doing a little back alley fucking that gets yep. severely interrupted by our creature. And, like, you, you know, you don't see anything as far as nudity. You don't see anything as far as gore. You just see, you know, uh, a mutated hand that looks like they took a, a prop from, you know, the Toxic Avenger and slapped it on somebody with a bad tweed jacket. Yeah, yep. You know, I was going to say anthropophagus is what it kind of reminded me of the beginning of. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah you know, the walking and all that stuff. And yeah, something stalking. And you're thinking this has something to do with the film, and it has absolutely nothing to do with the film at all. No, it's, it's just an excuse to have a random death scene that we're like, you know, we're watching a horror movie. We see random death scenes. We expect, you know, extravagant special effects or some gore. That we, we get neither in this. We get a guy gets, you know, yanked out of a, a car window. He has some blood on his neck and the woman screams. And that's like basically, you know, cut and scene of like, like there's got to be. I mean, it, it was an Italian movie. And they never skimped on the gore. They never did. <laughs> And, and they and they totally did. And even that introduction of those two characters, there's a bunch of shots of like the street and this bus pulls up and I guess she got out of the bus. I never really saw that. And it's it was like a bunch of stock footage put together to, to set up these characters. And OK, now we've got them set up and now we're, we're going to kill them. And yeah. And like you said, it was I mean, it wasn't terribly edited or anything it was kind of suspenseful i guess but yeah there was no payoff and what did this have to do with the rest of the movie and then we cut to a completely different scene and well you can go from there <laughs> right well i think it goes to bears mentioning that this was an, a co-italian and spanish production but it's also shot and and takes place in britain Yes, you know, it's yes. supposed to be just outside because there's all different, you know, shots of London and whatnot. And they never they keep talking about this random town that's going to be infected with this virus because it's all about. I mean, the, basically the, the the gist of the story is uh, Professor Adams, you know, is uh, going to be a problem because he was experimenting on these viruses and stuff. He got infected and they don't know what happened to him. It takes them forever to even figure out that the guy that's the killer is, is Professor Adams and that he's spreading this virus. You know, it's very, as I put it, Chemcore, a.k.a. Umbrella Corporation. That's oh, basically yeah. what they are, except for they never get fully realized. But it's not very coherent. I think the fact that it was an, an Italian pr production, Cope Spanish production, shot in Britain, you know, it's just uh, too many least, irons in the fire, too many chiefs, not enough Indians, so to speak. Right. At, at least at least the stock footage was shot in, in England and some of the exteriors. But yeah, I, I, I would be surprised if the interiors and things like that were shot there. But then again, who knows? But to me also, yeah, it felt like somebody saw or heard about this movie called The Incredible Melting Man and said, oh, I like that idea. You know, let's let's make <laughs> something, you know, we'll, we'll shoot it over here cheaply in, in Italy and we'll, you know, release it to Europe type of a thing. And, and that's, you know, basically where they started. And then they had all these other ideas with, uh, you know, this huge corporation. And then there's the, uh, the what, did, what are they called? The auxiliary squad men. There's all these unexplained, uh, you know, characters and, and forces okay. people that get mentioned that are never explained and, and we never get any explanation for what they were or what their role was in any of this so they just like had all these ideas that they started and then they sort of like ah let's do something else <laughs> yeah 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 it, it, it has a feeling in one of those movies that felt like it was almost uh footage compiled from two different movies and they tried to make it you know compile it into one movie and somehow make it work very much, yeah. The, there was the, especially all the second unit stuff going on. With we'll get into it later, I'm sure. But oh. you know, yeah, it's it's like a whole different movie going on. <laughs> oh, but poor David Warbeck. Uh, my, my one of my first notes in here is David Warbeck as Captain Kirk, and I had this chuckle <laughs> a little bit of that. Captain Kirk, really? They, yeah. they, they weren't trying, but but he deserved better. He was acting his ass off. He was, you know, he felt like somebody, you know, at least to me as an actor with what I've seen him and he never phoned it in. But man, he, he deserved much better than this movie. But his character is got to be, you know, even though he's very heroic and very stoic and everything, but he's got to be one of the worst cops ever. Because I've been, notes here, it's like, you know, Kirk is laying his fingerprints all over possible murder weapons, contaminating crime scenes. If I have it wrote down once, at least four different times, I'm like, why are the police touching everything and contaminating the crime scene? Like the first thing he does when they get to the one house, I think it's supposed to be Professor Adams' house, 
he finds a gun laying in the ground, he picks it up. Yeah. Like what what you're you're a cop. You should know better but, than to pick up a rando gun laying in the dirt. But that's but that's the first question I have. Is he a cop? Because he's introduced to the police in the area, to that Sergeant O'Brien, who's got four people that work for him. So is he a cop or is he somebody who works for this auxiliary squad men that get mentioned in, in another part? I mean, he, he has some sort of almost like a he's like almost like a men in black. You know, he's like a spy guy for the government or something. They never explain what he is. You know, yeah, he's, he's the he one guy who can stop this. They say at one point, he's the one man who can stop this. Well, who is he? <laughs> yeah, and why? Why? Why can he stop it? I mean, I know it's because he's David Warbeck, but like, there's got to be another reason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just they, they bring him in, like in a, you know, in a, and sort of like you know, you and I have, have come across a lot of those Italian procedural dramas, you know, these cop dramas and all that stuff, which I think this attempts to be, in. I don't know, maybe we're just supposed to know that in England they have this additional police force or something. I mean, is he Interpol? What is he? Why is he? You know, he's not. He's a cop, but he's not a cop. He's works for this, you know, takes orders from this colonel and he's being introduced to the police. And it, there's just all this confusion you as know, to you know, who he is. You got a good point there. I'd never thought about that because aren't don't. Aren't the police traditionally in Britain and the UK? Don't they usually don't carry weapons? They don't carry firearms. I th I thought. Right. So yeah, there's actually the one point where they actually, you know, when you know the the townspeople are starting to revolt because you know they they make the you know we're jumping all over the place here, folks. But you know they quarantine the town and say, hey, we're going to have to quarantine the town for you know 20 days because this virus is going to spread. But there's all you know they don't. There's like. No explanation to the people of why the virus is there, how the virus got there, because, well, I mean, they don't even know. But, uh, you, you, you know, this is like there's a murder going around and there's a virus. They never kind of tell people that there's that they're linked in any way. It's just, it, <laughs> but, yeah, it makes me wonder if he is Interpol or like, you know, uh, what they call it, MI6 or something like that. I, yeah. I, I don't know. And that, and that's, and that, unfortunately, is the theme through this entire movie: is scenes end and people are introduced, and and there you just you're left with questions that never get resolved, that never get answered. Like, wait, who was that guy? Who was this guy? Why do I care about him? Why does he know about this? And they just, it's like we're 20 minutes left on the editing room floor. Was it never shot? Was it never thought about? It feels like this was a much more complex story, and it just got whittled down or. Ran out of money. We didn't shoot it. I don't know, but it's it just leaves you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what my analogy was. If you if you've ever read the Game of Thrones, you know those books. They have this huge like family tree of of like how all these characters are related. This movie needed that. Yeah. <laughs> it needed an index card of who everybody was, who they work for, who they're you know. In, in who's who the conspiracy is that they're involved in is with. I mean, you have to have that to watch this. And you and I were kidding before we started here. You said you took two pages of notes or something for this one. Oh, Dude, about a page and a half. But yeah, I, yeah. Okay, I never take notes. I have eight pages of notes just trying to figure out the damn plot. And who is who? It was just driving me crazy. And I ultimately just gave up. I said, I can't figure this out. <laughs> I mean, what fun is that watching a movie where you just you can't figure it out? You want to and you can't. Just, yeah, uh, and I watched this movie twice in preparation. I watched it once about a week and a half ago and once this morning before we got started. I don't know that I understood it any more the second time around than I I think I was actually <laughs> further confused. Yeah, I, I mean if you think about it, it's even it's even harder to figure out. And, and that's just that's a real shame. So again, it just feels like you know, if this was like the middle episode of like a, a, a three episode miniseries or something and we had already had all these characters introduced and what their relationships were and their motivations and all that, then this might have worked. But we don't know any of that. We don't know the, the motivations. We don't even know what this doctor was working on, you know, and, and why Warbeck, Captain Kirk hates this doctor and and who this council is that's secretly <laughs> meeting and, and why, what is Plan Q and why are they doing all these things? Yes. What is we Plan Q? I have in all caps, <laughs> Plan Q in quotations with three question marks. What is Plan Q? 
Well, I mean, we we end up finding out. I mean, I guess plan Q is they're going to drop a bomb on the town, and you know, because they they say twice during the movie, we're going to kill thousands in order to save millions. Yeah, yeah. Like I understood that much, but it's just like I I didn't even really get until like ten minutes before the end. Like, oh, they're going to bomb the town. That's what they're going to do. Yeah, like, <sighs> yeah. But I, I, yeah, it's it's one thing to you know to to you know kind of foreshadow things in a movie. That that's a good thing, but to just outright you know, not tell us something we need to know to, to make the drama work logically, you know, and again, Italian films get away with that sometimes because they're, they're more stylish and atmospheric and, and you kind of know going in that, that you're going to be, you're going to, there's going to be a lot of red herrings, but this isn't set up that way. This is almost set up like an action movie. You know, Hey, we got this right. mutant, we got to capture him or he's going to contaminate all these people and all this stuff's going on. But we're, we're given little bits and pieces of the plot you know, randomly, again, I, I hate to criticize one of my favorite editors, but it's like, you know, did he just throw all this footage in a blender? And it, that was that was one of the things that drove me the most crazy was in terms of the editing was you'd cut away to a scene that would take like four hours to occur. And then you'd come back to the scene that was still in progress as if five minutes had gone by. Right. The the the, the lapse of time was not consistent in this. No. And just at all. And distance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the logistics is like, how did they get from point A to, bo- it's like they somehow got from point A to point C with it skipping point B somewhere along the way. <laughs> it's like, it's like the mo- is the movie theater next door to the lab, next door to Doc- Mr. Milton's house, next door to where the drunk is out in the street? It's like none of this, uh, there's no spatial, you know, anything given. And, and yet we do have, you know, lengthy par- car parking scenes and, and you know, <laughs> Well, let's talk about the the movie theater for one quick instant. Oh, you bet. Yeah. Yeah. Movie within a movie. The movie within the movie was almost as bad as this movie. It was just driving shots with some of the worst Casio keyboard kind of music. (laughs) What was that movie? And they're all like transfixed. The the girl watching this movie with her boyfriend is like watching like she's watching a fucking Fellini movie. And and I'm like. It was a silent movie, too, other than music. There was no other than. Yeah, no dialogue, no characters, really, other than a guy gets into his car and has a lot of long driving shots. <laughs> now, I did want to say one thing. I, I thought it was interesting that in the movie theater that they had the killer come in through the screen, you know, much like in Demons, which was done a thousand and a thousand times, a thousand times better. Uh but it predated uh, demons by at least a couple of years, but it not not in terms of quality by any means. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I thought I thought of that immediately too when I saw it, and I thought these you know these these were definitely similarities. And I didn't know if that had ever it probably happened in some movie even before that. But uh, you're right. In Demons, it was a, so much better than, than what they pulled off here. Now I won't say that that theater scene was was entirely you know ineffective. I, I you know it's. But it didn't make any sense. It was too dark to see anything. Yeah, and those couple oh, of random shots they had were just. I, I thought the screen had just completely went black. Yeah, at one point. And, I was just like, yeah. okay, what, what's going on here? Nothing but a lot of screaming. And then everybody gets out except the one girl who we sort of know who she is because she picked up a guy on the way into the theater, and uh, you know, and then she's the one who gets killed. And it was like it just. You know, there was no logic to that. And she's in the middle of the theater. Why would she have been the last out? And just a lot of lot of logic. Why did she send her boyfriend to the ice cream shop across the street to get her an ice cream cone in the middle of the movie? Yeah. I mean, Uh, they let you bring food into the movies over there in England. I know they don't let you do that here. So, (laughs) yeah, maybe they have different rules over there. I don't know. I'm sure they do. There is. It does have one great line in the movie. Now, I did. It's the only line of dialogue I wrote down in my notes is when uh, uh, Captain Kirk, a.k.a. David Warbeck, says, oh, dreadful actors, aren't they? I was just like, oh, sir, you hit the nail on the head yeah. with the jackhammer <laughs> right there. Yeah, and he, and he was right, yep, unfortunately. I, I, what line did I write down? Oh, I thought it was pretty funny. So when, when, when they find that, you know, that, that couple in the, since we're still on the first scene, technically, they, you know, he goes and kills that couple in the car and he drags the man out. And we have no idea whatever happened to his body, but the woman's body is found. And they're, they're talking about how horribly mutilated she was. Well, you know, what could have caused it? And a meat axe. <laughs> a meat axe? What's a meat axe? <laughs> like, like I, I, I assumed that they meant maybe a meat cleaver, but that's not what they said. 
A meat axe was used for the kill. A meat axe. Well, that's we don't have those over here. I might have to go, or my kitchen is you know definitely devoid of a meat axe. So I think yeah. I'm going to go get one. I've been but a cook, that, cook for between 25, 30 years of my life, and I'm, I've never heard the term meat axe before. Of course, this was dubbed and probably translated. The the script was translated, so it, it could have been a cleaver, as you say. I thought that was interesting. I also liked the girl in the shower. She had a line, I am if you are. And I thought, ooh, that's a pretty provocative little line when she was on the phone with that guy. But that was that was the only other line I thought was amusing. <laughs> right. Oh, but you know, speaking of like the, the shower scene, it uh the shower death, every death scene in this movie, with the exception of uh Oh, what was the other professor's name? Professor Vincent, Professor Vince, you know, Miguel Hiera plays. Yeah. You know, like yeah. he was the only one that like, you know, he was part of that corporation. Cause you know, any guy that has an all red phone is either one of two things. He's either Batman or he's, or he's a master villain. Yep. So, you know, he's kind of a master villain, but like his death scene was actually very, you know, was the only one that was sort of satisfying. Cause he was kind of the asshole that was going to, you know, let the town get, uh, bombed right and you know trying to send his family out you know but they get you know held up by the roadblock but like his death scene felt very satisfactory and very uh deliberate everything else felt very random you got the couple in the beginning the, the you know another you know the the lady in the shower the couple uh, the lady just in the uh, the movie theater the random drunk guy and even father brown or, or Braun, like who, who was he? Like they, they wasted so much time showing him teaching the, the altar boys how to play the the piano or the organ, and you know just to have him pop back up twenty minutes later to try to protect them. Well, you know, he did. He did try to calm the crowd down at the movie theater, though. How he got there, I'll never know. That's right. You're right. He suddenly shows up there and and you know calms things down when the cops won't explain anything. But again. So is the movie theater next door to the church? How did he get there? Why is he there when he was just over here with sending the kids home with candy after trying to teach them the organ? And <laughs> again, no spatial continuity, no no the timing of things doesn't, you know, they didn't do a lot of day for night mistakes, but that's about the only mistake they didn't make. As far as just how long certain things would take and why would someone be there? Why would this person be there and not there? And who is this person and who do they work for and all that stuff? But yeah, mo most of the killings in this one, like you're saying, they, you know, why is he killing? Well, we find out at some point that he's drinking the blood of the people he kills. Why? Mm -hmm. We don't know. But apparently he's doing that. Um, because, you know, why not? Yeah. I guess <laughs> that's and, and we find out very late in the movie that... He's killing all of his victims so no one else is contaminated but him, so the contamination isn't spreading anywhere, although that makes absolutely no sense because one of the guinea pigs escaped from the lab and has become a giant guinea pig and is down in the sewers, and they, they find him down in the sewer in one scene. And that yeah, one just that felt very scene. random. That uh, I mean, oh, yeah. a lot of this movie is random. But when they lift up that, that manhole cover and there's that giant guinea pig that's like the size of an alligator... I thought that would have become more of a major plot point in the movie, but they just abandoned it after that. Yeah, they, they didn't kill it. They didn't do anything. They just cut they just, to another scene. <laughs> so yeah. is that guinea pig still running around down there? What are we to assume happened? Yeah, they just go to something else. And that's the whole movie did that. There are so many times I'm I'm writing down, okay, this scene, and then the scene ends here, and they never pick it up again. <laughs> Ah, drives me crazy. <laughs> That's why it leads me to believe that this was more than one movie edited together into one, I wouldn't say cohesive film, but at least a complete film, uh, I guess Something. you could say. Or a mini series that they tried to compile into a film. And But, God, you just, I just don't see any excuse for not for having these scenes just unfinished. And, you know, I can't believe the writers would just leave these scenes like that. Or the editor would, wouldn't want to go back and, you know, get some closure to these things. Because it, it needs to wrap up. Otherwise, you're just, you know, you just, it just creates frustration. At least it did for me. I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah, it, I watch this. Yeah. <laughs> Like I said, I watched it twice in preparation for this because I do my due diligence and become I make myself completely prepared for these kind of things. <laughs> but I felt like after watching it twice, I was even less prepared than the first time around. I this so many things felt like open ended. It's just like well, like for instance, like uh, the 
when they always constantly end up at the the the, the death scenes, you know, or at the, at the, at oh, the, yeah. you know, the, the kill sites, they're just like, ooh, we found some more of that green stuff. Like, yeah, ooh, what? Think, like, what green stuff? Yeah, what, like, what, it, when did you start finding it? <laughs> yeah, when did like when did you find it, and what is the green stuff that, that we're never gonna find out what it was beforehand, afterwards, no, nothing, nothing. Okay. And here, and here's, and that's and that's another example of something that just suddenly appears at random that they they know about that we are just learning about. Here's another thing that I totally forgot when you were talking about uh, Professor Vince's family and all that stuff being killed. So right. he sends his sends his family up to hide in a bedroom. He gets killed. Whatever happened to them? Yeah, yeah. We no, don't know. Never, never find out. Never find never, out in any way, shape, or form. Up. Yeah. Somehow Captain Kirk discovers that this guy's been killed. They show up. They never find the family. They find his body down there. Did they escape? Were they killed? Were they... I mean, it's just like, this, this is like not even, you know, ninth grade writing class stuff where you just, you don't well, set I, things I up. Assume, <laughs> I assume that the family got away and that they, had, you know, contacted the authorities and that's how Warbeck, you know, Captain Kirk and the, the rest of the, you know, the goon squad showed up. I mean, I just assumed that, but. Well, and that could have worked still... had they had maybe one of the family members there. When the cops, maybe the cops could be interviewing a family member, something to give us some closure to that. But there was none. So no, no. maybe they're still up in the bedroom. They're probably still up there today. And probably <laughs> they, they've been waiting for dad for 29 years. They're just like, yeah, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's just, <laughs> oh, it's just maddening, maddening. Yeah. It's, and this it's is, frustrating, you know, because I consider myself a writer first and foremost. So the storytelling in this movie just fucking played with my emotions so hard you know and i've and you know me i i mean i've written movies i've directed movies and i've edited my movies and i've edited other people's movies and i know you know i know all those roles now well enough to know you know to put myself in the other person's perspective here and i just i can't imagine turning that footage over to an editor and saying yeah here you go here's the movie and not knowing that you just you have all these things that are just completely unresolved. How am I supposed to make this into a movie? Or a writer giving a script to a director with all these you know unresolved things? Or were they just winging it and they're just forgetting? You know, oh, we shot that family going up in the bedroom. Should we do anything with that? Ah, forget it. You know? I mean, it's yeah. just like oh, I don't know. I don't think they had a script. I don't think they had a script. I'm just yeah, saying. I, I wonder if they did. It was only thirty pages long. I tell you that because at about <laughs> the thir- about the thirty minute mark. I found myself saying, boy, I'm glad this movie's almost over. And it's like, oh, my God, there's still an hour to go. <laughs> when I made a note of when they finally showed the first, like, shot of uh, Professor Adams, you know, the creature, the mutant. And I was like, OK, I'm like, pause it. Let's see exactly when. And it was 41 minutes in. And I was just like, oh, my God, there's still 50 minutes left of this movie. I'm not I'm technically not even halfway through it. Holy shit. No, and there and there were just no. Uh, I guess there was just one. Well, maybe I, I don't know. I mean, the movie was so straightforward in terms of just you knew what was going to happen, but the plot twists were just so nonsensical, just unfinished scenes, and and so you, you just you lost interest at that point. You're just like just kill kill the monster and get it over with, or do whatever you're going to do and get it over with, because I'm completely lost and I'm only thirty minutes in, and it's only you're just throwing more garbage at me and and more unfinished stuff. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's like the the subplot of the townspeople going, you know, bonkers and you know, yeah. re- revolting. It's like that that one a didn't really even need to be there, or they should have focused on it more. Yeah, to to hammer it home because when the cops, you know, open up their you know their their weapons cabinet that's under lock and key, the, the one guy automatically after they break a window, he's getting ready to fire into the crowd, and he's like, oh my god, we're all losing our minds here, and it's just like. Yeah, but like, who's losing their minds? Who's outside? And like, why are they outside? And when right. they get they get to the the area when they're trying to leave town, and that that you know, I'm just calling them the Brat Pack shows up, shows up and is like, hey, we're not, you know, you can't leave, you know, we're setting up a roadblock. The one guy just tries, you know, he's going up against a, an army of, of dozens yeah. of people with machine guns and tanks, with a car and a double barrel shotgun. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, just. Uh, <laughs> ridiculous and, and and weren't those some of the most least convincing uh military you know is coming to your town and and they're they're shutting everything down you know that that was some of the least convincing scenes i'd seen since since a bruno Mattei movie of, of the military people i mean it's like oh here's okay there's two jeeps there's a motorcycle and there's a truck and then there's these guys coming out and pulling out cables on the phone booths or whatever they were doing i mean it was just like 
just terrible, terrible acting. The, the, the scenes were just so unimpressive. It was just like, and they just and felt like padding, just scenes well, of and padding. Well, why couldn't they get, like, the, the outfits didn't match. Yeah, the no. army's outfits didn't match. Their weapons didn't match. The vehicles didn't match. It was just like, all right, we got one vehicle left over for, from a Matei film. We got one vehicle left over from, you know, a Fulci movie. We got one, you know, a couple of motorcycles left over from one of those random post-apocalyptic, you know, uh, Salt on Precinct 13 kind of movies. It's like, well, it just, it reminded me of those scenes from Zombie 3. You know, where the military is in that hotel room, which is supposed to be their their makeshift base or something. And the military is arguing with the scientists. And all those scenes were just so terrible. And I know those were Bruno Mattei directed scenes. They were just absolutely awful and completely unconvincing. And that's what these were. And even to a, a higher level of just unconvincing. And, and yeah, illogical. And it was like, okay, well, that was second unit director type stuff, I guess. So I, but it was just like, and it went on and on and on and just padding and padding and padding. It was like, please let it be over soon. Yeah. And there, and there was also no consistency because they said that if you came into contact with this guy, you know, if he didn't kill you, that was what they were trying to hammer home. Like he was killing the people so that he, you know, he could stop the spread of the virus and he was drinking their blood, you know, to, to, to drain them, I guess. You know, but if he killed them, the virus wouldn't spread. But he clearly, like, makes contact with Warbeck several times. And he's like, oh, don't worry, that's his blood. And I'm like, yeah, but wasn't this guy bleeding green? Yeah, exactly. Doesn't that mean you're contaminated? Yeah, the, 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 the pseudoscience was was all over the place on this one. It made no sense. And, and yeah, I mean... I, it's almost like they, they started doing these killings and then they had to give some sort of a logical explanation as to why if they just kill the doctor, then, you know, we can we can have an ending to this movie because he hasn't spread it all over the place. But then they like you said, then they just completely defeated their own purpose and had him attack, you know, David Warbeck and David Warbeck's not infected. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> none. Oh, yeah. No, none of it made any sense. Like, for instance, one thing that I found you know, most of this movie didn't make sense, but one thing I found laughable <laughs> that I actually rewound and, and watched it over again was when they had the false alarm where they think that they're uh, encountering the creature, but it's just the drunk singing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was just like, that's not, because it was the same track of the, you know, the creature uh, uh, all yeah. the time. And, and it's like, wow, this is clearly, without even seeing him, I can tell that this is not the killer. Yep. This is probably just some random drunk, and this is what I had thought in my head. And then, of course, it happens. What is it? It's a random fucking drunk. Yep, more padding. Another filler scene. And then, yeah. Another think, random killing. You know, they kill him off as soon as the, the you know, Warbeck and, and his goon squad leave him alone. Right, and Warbeck and the goon squad go, you know, they, they are on their way to, uh, you know, that guy, Professor Vince's house, I guess. Or they end up there anyway. And while they're doing all their investigation there and searching for him in these secret tunnels, then the monster comes out and kills the drunk guy. So what? How how close were all these things? What's where's the? There's just the spatial. <laughs> this film. Maybe it was one of those uh, what they call it a one horse town. Maybe it was just like they just had Main Street, one little suburb, and that was it. Everything then, was close together. But then know. why all the why all the driving scenes? <laughs> you know, it looks like you could walk everywhere in this movie. Everything was right next door to each other. You just walk from place to place. Especially as slow as that monster walked. I mean, there's just no oh yeah. <laughs> It had the most elaborate sewer system set up and caverns set up underneath the town for a place that was so you know small and close together. I don't, I don't and, know. And it was a and what, we're trying we're we're trying to breathe too much into this movie. I think. Well, and it was a Roman drainage system. They said at some point, a Roman drainage system. A Roman drainage system yeah, in Ro the UK. Yeah, I think they said it twice too in the UK. Yeah. Is, did they have a? I mean, I I know that sewer systems came from Rome. I mean, that's kind of where where the the concept was was I guess credited to to what they did there. So I I don't you right, know. Right. When I heard it, I thought did they did they is that a mistake? I don't know. I didn't feel like researching it though. So. No, no, no. This movie doesn't deserve that kind of deep layered research. I don't think oh, it's God. just kind of like you know the thought keep throwing out the term. Got more of that green stuff. It's yeah. Like, but what's, what's the green stuff? I mean, I know it's the slimy residue left behind by the, the, the killer, but 
well, how, how do they know what the fuck it is? And they apparently they don't because they just call it a green, keep calling it green stuff. I mean, well, I, Jan, Janet asks the computer about it, I think, at some point and gets insufficient information. But she determines it's an anomalous substance. I do remember her saying that it's an anomalous substance. Ooh, well, OK, it's not <laughs> like, normal. <laughs> <laughs> it's a not normal green goo. OK, well, I, I could have told you that by looking at it, that it was a normal yeah, and what about those amazing computer graphics of that computer screen? I mean, 1982 had it going on, didn't they? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I had computers like that in high school. So I, I remember that. That was that was actually one of the more realistic scenes in the whole movie. But they definitely did not have a science advisor for this film. Let's just put it. <laughs> no. They, they had the same science advisor that they had for the movie Shocking Dark, I think. Oh, God, you had to bring that one up. <laughs> Ouch. Infinitely better movie because at least one thing, at least that movie was action-packed. Yeah. It was not, it was not boring, and it, has, and it had Gerada in it. So Yeah, yeah. well, this had David Warbeck, so you, you would normally give this one points for that. But, yeah, the padding, the plotting, the complete lack of suspense. I mean, it's like, come on. Now, the, here's my biggest problem with it. I, okay. They're, they're talking about at one point Warbeck says we've got 90 minutes before they're going to like, you know, nuke the town from orbit. You know, they're going to nuke the entire site. They're going to bomb it. So 90 minutes, they're rooting around down in the sewers, moving at a snail's pace. For, I mean, for people who are racing to beat the clock, they sure do move slow because they even have a point where they stop moving all, all together entirely. And this is like, hey, you want a cigarette? Like, you don't have time to stop and smoke a cig, man. No, you, you wouldn't think. And, and yeah, and, and some there were some fumes in some of the sewer, and one guy can't breathe, and the other people are fine. And Janet comes right down into the sewer from wherever she was. And apparently, she's got access to the sewer and comes right down there. And, you know, she's meanwhile, she's created the antidote. But, uh, you know, but, but Captain Kirk will have none of that, apparently. Yeah, he doesn't want to mess around with, a, you know, any kind of antidote. And Captain Kirk, okay, I love David Warbeck. I am not trying to diss the man. This is not by any fault of his. This was, a, you know, a logistic written into the script. Why did he go down there, you know, to fight this creature with only three bullets in his gun? <laughs> well, because he had the Necron gun, though, remember? Uh, oh, yeah, the Necron gun. The Necron what? gun, which he wasn't even supposed to know existed. How did you even know the Necron gun existed? Well, who who is David Warbeck? Where did he come? I don't know. <laughs> How does anybody know anybody and anything existed in this? It's just so that was so. Well, funny. I, I actually think uh, Captain Kirk was just um, oh what the the character he played in uh, uh, the Beyond, the yeah, do yeah. Doctor Doctor McCabe. I think he was just Doctor McCabe in in a, in, a, in an alternative life. Alternative you know, universe. Yeah, alternative is, universe. Yeah, it was just this like this is a multiverse was, film. Yep, this is this is their attempt to do a multiverse over there in Italy. Because <laughs> he was basically playing the same character. He had the same gun. He had the yeah. same kind of outfit. The same you know white jacket and pants and everything. You know, looking very slick, looking very debonair. You know, but looking, probably had like to I'm, provide his own costumes for these movies. That's why. <laughs> yeah, that's why it was the same outfit. And he's like, yeah, I happen to have a three fifty seven Magnum at home. And he's like, should I just bring it? <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, man. It's uh, funny. <laughs> but when he gets to the Necron gun, I mean, because since we're talking about the Necron gun, we'll we'll talk a little about what the hell was this supposed to do? Was it supposed to neutralize Professor Adams or was it supposed to freeze him? Because it it it. it it kind of admitted a a, a, a sulfur like substance. It almost kind of looked like a, a fire extinguisher. You know, <laughs> that's all it was. That's all it was was a fire extinguisher. I mean, no doubt in my mind. But yeah, we we don't know what it was. You know, he was he was asking for uh, two units. He needed two units for the Necron gun, whatever that meant. And the guy from Chemco was just completely shocked that he even knew what the Necron gun was. So that's when I that was when I was like, okay, so does he does he work? Does David Warwick's character work for? Chemco or for some military operation because we find out at some point in the movie that Chemco is in a race to develop some sort of germ warfare thing from this Mr. Milton or whoever the heck I can't remember another character who just gets introduced randomly in the middle of the movie and explains this stuff to us so I mean okay all corporations are evil so I guess we, we get that out of the way but who is who is Warbeck working for who's whose side is Kirk on we know he hates Dr. Adams for some reason you know, Dr. Adams was the victim of this accident, 
I guess we find out Dr. Adams was working on this, you know, mutating virus thing, pleromavirus, they call it or something. Pleromavirus, yeah. Yeah, but he's doing it on behalf of who? I don't know. There's some mysterious council that has some role in all this and, you know, orders the whole town quarantined and killed. I mean, it's just, it's maddening how many things that there's this, all these complex interrelationships in this movie and they're just never explained. Although I think, I mean, I think the cast knew, I think somebody knew, you know, but they just, it just never got explained to the audience. No, no. The, like the, the, the people making the movie knew what was going on. Possibly. I'm Poss- using air quotes here. Possibly. <laughs> but we as the audience have no fucking idea. No. Like, right? uh, until you were, we were, you know, talking about it and discussing it. I just assumed he was a cop, but you're all right. You know, he was introduced to the police. So you think a police would recognize one of their own. So that, that was just me being confused even further. And there was that, that Colonel guy who, you know, kind of, uh, initiates Captain Kirk into, you know, puts him into action. And Captain Kirk knew the bodyguard of the Professor Adams who was killed. So again, there were, there were all these relationships. Somebody could write a thesis, you know, on this movie just to explain the relationships and they'd be probably wrong. But I mean, it's the only <laughs> way you could watch this movie is if you knew what all those, all those things were ahead of, you know, watching it. Otherwise it just drives you mad. And again, I rarely have to take any notes I took, I think I took eight pages of notes trying to figure it out. And I kept leaving these blank spaces for when in the movie this was going to be explained. There's all these question marks and blank spaces. I was like, this isn't any fun. Yeah, I, I kind of left the, uh, you know, spaces open, hoping things would be explained. To like, why did Cut and Kirk go in there with only three bullets in his gun? Yeah. You know, why are, what, what is their plans going into the sewer? Because whatever they are they're not good. I'm like, and who fumigated the sewers, but Hey, let's head on down there anyway. And like, and why is, and why is he against Jane using the antidote on the doctor that she's worked so hard to create? And why the heck does he shoot O'Brien and the monster Dr. Adams with the Necron gun? (laughs) O'Brien's trying to save him. He's fighting the monster and he fires the Necron gun at both of them. (laughs) I don't know what happened (sighs) to O'Brien. We never see what happened to O'Brien. You know, they just yeah, forgot. That's true. Him. We don't. Yeah, he just kind of. He's gone. Uh, apparently, and the Necron gun, meanwhile, is melting the Incredible Melting Man, or causing him to foam up, or whatever the heck that was at the end. It was. It was really hard to see. But it's like, yeah, come and, on, man. Like and when O'Brien they actually was his buddy. That was his buddy. You know, yeah, the that was his sidekick. You know, that was the, the Robin to his. Robin to his Batman for the yeah. whole fucking movie. Remember, he saved his life. I owe you a beer. You know, they were like buddies. Ah, I'll just shoot you. With an yeah, <laughs> but instead he gives him. The... <laughs> but did I say beer? I meant shot with the Necron gun. That's what I meant. There you go. <laughs> oh gosh, and you know, and like I, I love like in the in movies like this when they continuously shoot a creature. You know, I'm using quotes here, air quotes here again. But you know, they shoot a creature. It doesn't work, so they just continue shooting him even more, and it's just like. Oh, 18 bullets didn't. It's just like with Michael Myers. Like, you shot him 18 times. It doesn't work. Let's just shoot him 18 more and see if that works. Why don't they ever try, like, decapitation or blowing him up? They even say one time, you know, it shot him point-blank range with a, you know, double-lock buckshot. And he's like, you know, what was it going to take, a missile launcher? Yeah, so we come back down there with pistols. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. A double yeah. barrel 12 gauge shotgun didn't do it. Let's go down there with the 357 and just see if that happens. You know, uh, or or to to quote you know the great Bruno Mattei's uh, Hell of the Living Dead, you got to shoot him in the head. <laughs> yeah, never shoot him in the head. They never shoot him in the head. Oh. Oh. Speaking ahead, this is going to be a weird segue. When when the when Janet is Jane gets down into the, the sewer and she encounters. Uh, Professor Adams, you know, the mutant, she somehow is able to talk to him and have him comprehend what she's saying mm-hmm. when he's just been a mindless freaking killer this entire time. And he can talk all of a sudden because I think yeah. he says something. He's like, I don't want it. You know, when he's talking about I have the antidote when they're showing the close up of his head and those like bladders are pulsating inside his head. That looks so good. It it's was, one of the few shots that look really, really good. Why did they not use the more of those? I don't understand why everything else was shown so dark and so muddled. 
Exactly. And you, you had to wait a, an hour and 25 minutes to finally get that shot of him and finally hear him, which this was where I thought it was, you know, very incredible melting man-esque, you know, where he didn't want to be a monster. He didn't, he didn't want to die. He didn't want the end. I mean, it was, it was sort of like there, there could have been some drama there if there'd been any sort of real buildup to it. But uh, yeah, and you finally get a good look at him and he's, he's torn and all of a sudden, he, you know, David Warbeck jumps into the scene and is going to shoot him and, you know, they, they could have they could have almost had a King Kong moment there. You know, they, they really could have given a, you know, beauty killed the beast type of a thing there. But right. You know. That's why I thought they were aiming for it at that yeah. point. But they 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 just kind of abandoned that 30 seconds later. Yep, for the for the action scene and for for Warbeck to use his Necron gun and kill the monster and his buddy. And then they can run out of there just in time to stop the nuking of the city. Yeah. Thank with what, like two minutes to go. Yeah, on the screen, in, in digital red, uh, digital LED on the screen shows that there's two minutes to go. Was it four forty eight? Yeah, Just, four four forty eight or four fifty eight or something like yeah. that. Which which lasted for how long? I mean, it stayed on that four forty eight or whatever for at least four minutes. You know, <laughs> but, but, well, oh. it's movie timing. You know, thirty seconds goes on for eighteen minutes and exactly. Yeah. And then they save the day in a completely anticlimactic ending and just nothing. <laughs> oh, that, that was my last note. My last note on this besides was Jane reasoning with Adams is just silly. And then Dash anticlimactic ending to say the least. Yep. Yep. Totally. You just feel like completely let down. At least at least let the town get destroyed. <laughs> at least give us some. Please something. end with a big explosion. Yeah. You know, like give us the return of the living dead ending where they nuke Louisville. Exactly. But this wasn't even a nuclear bomb. It was like a neural gas or something they were going to drop on the city and everybody was going to be dead. And yeah, it was who, who cares, you know, at this point. <laughs> yeah, give us the Raccoon City ending where the to whole town just gets like nuked, not nuked, but like, you know, just bombed and fucking neurogassed and it's everybody's dying in the streets. And it's like, you know, at least give us, give us that, give us something. But no. I'm trying to, and what year was this? I can't remember off the top of my head. Is it 80? 82. 82. Okay, so it was before Return of the Living Dead. So I wonder if maybe they saw that and decided, hey, let's do a better ending. <laughs> if they did, they they succeeded because that was a much better ending. Yeah. Much better. This, I mean, just how he got a hold of, you know, I mean, the phone lines were all cut, and yet somehow he was able to get a hold of everybody and call off the, none of that was explained either, you know, call no. off the bombing. No. <laughs> just like, oh, okay, hooray, happy music, bad credits, the end. And then that incredible scene at the very end oh yeah i'll let you take this one and what what is those those last lines at the end oh credit scene and, uh, and you know i don't i don't have my, my screen pulled up right oh. now unfortunately and i feel bad about not having it ready for you i have uh, i have it written down it says what you have seen might really happen dot 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 but perhaps it already has <laughs> okay wait a minute i'll read that again what you have seen <laughs> Might really happen. Might really Perhaps it already has. Happens. Yes. <laughs> Perhaps it already has. I mean, it's absolutely mind-blowingly confusing what they're saying there. It's like they tried to do like an ending like, um, oh. Uh, burial ground or something. with Burial ground or, or like, you know, the, the end of uh, City of the Walking Dead or Nightmare City. You know, the, the dream has become reality. You know? Yeah, the prophecy of the black spider or something. Yeah, it is just hilarious, but it's, it makes no sense. What you have seen may have already happened. You know, can, it, was just, it was just, you know, again, it was like a poorly translated something out of Italian to English that didn't make any sense. <laughs> but it's almost like time travel multiverse level of, you know, multidimensional. Somebody was using Babel, a Babel app, and it was just like, I think this is what it says. I think this is what we're translating yeah, here. <laughs> close enough. And it was, probably, it was probably the best frame in the entire movie because it actually made you think, wait a minute, that can't be right. What? What? It, it almost makes you want to go back and watch it again to, to see, to like, did I miss something? But I assure you, folks, uh, you did, did not miss anything. No, we we all missed it, and there's just like it's everything's missing, and it's not your fault. You you yeah, it was not there to be missed. I guess yeah, is, is the point. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, sir, what do you think? You think we ought to wrap this one up and uh, give our final thoughts and ratings on this uh, this this this. This dried up little turd here. Oh yeah, we we can't can't do that too soon for me. <laughs> okay, well you know how we do things around here. Guests go first, so uh, final thoughts and rating on a scale from one to ten. Yeah, so I, obviously I I did not enjoy this movie. It was 
there, you know, there are bad movies that are fun to watch, and this one was just a chore to watch because it was just it made you mad. I went into it wanting to like it. I just I wanted to enjoy it. I wanted to, to find something enjoyable. I like Dave Warbeck. I like Janet Agron. I, I like the the idea, you know, the, this mutant lumbering around. I, I mean, Incredible Melting Man was a great movie. I, I'd like to see more movies like well, not great, but very good. And I yeah, think, that was a good movie. Yeah, more movies like that. I think it's it's a fun concept, and everything about this had potential to be fun. You know, the military, the quarantine, and it's all been done well in other movies. And this movie just managed to make it plodding and boring and confusing and never explaining stuff. And and just, you know, the, the errors in it are just, there are just so many, too many, just too many scenes that are just like unfinished. And edits that feel unfinished, like why did we just cut there and then we cut back here and and no time has passed in between these these what happened here to here, and just maddening that that this could be put together that you know that poorly with you know arguably some talent was involved in this, and certainly oh, the yeah. other, and the director had done a lot of stuff and there was some good things about it you know maybe I mean again I liked the music, the special effects the monster when you finally get to see it is. It's pretty cool. I mean, he's all right. And the gore might have been good if we could have seen any of it. But, you know, by and yeah, large, if, if most of it didn't uh, most of it didn't happen off camera. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, and you just if, if you need a uh, if you need a map to figure out what everybody's relationship is to everybody else and where everything is, you know, to make it make any sense at all. I mean, it's, it's just no fun. And that's unfortunately what this movie is. I was surprised that IMDb got like what a three, something like that. Oh, um, I got it brought up here. It is a three point four. That's that's way too high. I mean, this movie was just not any fun. <laughs> so what's what's our rating scale? Is it one to ten or is yeah. it zero to ten? Yeah, we can do zero to ten. I've I've never given anything a zero just yet, but it yeah, might be well, close to a first. Yeah, well, I I just you know. <sighs> You, I guess if you really like David Warbeck, you know, you, you get a chance to see him again. That's worth something. And he does his best. And, you know, for, so it won't get a zero, but I'm going to give it a one because it's just no fun. You know, I don't even know what to do with it. I couldn't even watch it on 2X. It's just no fun because it just makes you mad. <laughs> yeah, I got to agree with everything you said. The the editing of this movie is just maddening. You know, it's just it's so convoluted and and doesn't make any sense of how, you know, time isn't relative in this movie. The locations aren't relative to one another. The people, uh, you don't really know who anybody is. They, they drop the ball. There's 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 nothing of it, any style and or substance to this movie. You know, there's you know the creature when it's finally shown is pretty decent looking. It's gross. You know, it's got a very like you said incredible melting man kind of look. And pizza I the dug hut. it. Yeah, yeah. Incredible meat melting man meets Pizza the Hut. Yeah, very, very true. But like, like you said, like it, it's it's worth seeing once if you're a David Warbeck Warbeck enthusiast and you want to be a completist and see all his movies. I could recommend it on that standpoint alone of just you know when to be a completist and see everything he's done because he does a good job. He always mm -hmm. does a good job. You know, he's a consummate fucking professional. And, you know, he's basically playing the same kind of doctor character he played in The Beyond. And I'm all there for that. But, yeah, this just even, you know, it even has one of my favorite tropes in a movie, which is a movie within a movie. But they don't yeah. do that well. They don't no. do that well at all. <laughs> you know, movies like Demons and Popcorn have done it on a much grander scale to much more uh, success. You know what? Um, you know what? They they didn't they didn't have enough skills to make one movie, let alone make a movie within a movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good Ouch. point, sir. Good point. But uh, yeah, I mean, if, if I have to say any high points or any uh, not low points in this movie is is David Warbeck, uh, Janet Agron is really good in it, and the music is decent. The music is decent. Like I, I would happily own the soundtrack. I don't need to own the movie. No, <laughs> uh, I can't quite give it a one. I, I, I'm not coming in terribly higher. I'm giving it a two. So it's, you know, a one and a two, you know, out of a possible uh, 20 points we could have given it. We're giving it a three. So that kind of tells you what sort of a stinker we got here. Yeah. Yep. It's it's unfortunate. I mean, you just 
as as much as I like, you know, I wanted to like it, and I like Italian films for the most part, and this this one was just a, a real a real stinker. But you know, I th- I think what this proves, Cameron, is that you don't get to pick the movies anymore that we do. Because didn't you pick Shocking Dark too? Yeah, but didn't you pick Devilfish? Yeah, but I like Devilfish. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, um, at least for the next couple movies, you know, uh, I think you get to pick. I think it will let you pick the next few movies. Thank goodness. <laughs> well, I, I try to keep picking. I try to keep picking movies that at least one of us haven't seen, and by one yeah. of us, I mean me. <laughs> I'll find something better than this one. I promise you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please, please do, sir. Do do some homework. Find us a better movie to watch and. I got to apologize to you for making you sit through this one because you knew what we were, you know, you sort of knew what we were in for, but you played along, you placated me and let, let, let me believe that we were going to be watching something (laughs) better than than we did. Uh, It's, it's, it's funny how the mind works, you know, like I said, I probably watched it 15 years ago, whenever it was, I just remembered I didn't like it. And right. I think I think that was my brain saying, you know, this is painful, Tom. You know, get these painful memories out. We'll make some room for some happy memories. And <laughs> this is just going to be forgotten. And I can't, you know, once this call is done, I can't wait to throw away my notes forever on this one. <laughs> yeah, usually I keep the notes. I keep a folder with all my handwritten notes in it. But this one might get just, you know, yep. yeah, crumpled up as it. you can hear me do it. Yeah, crumpled up and tossed in the trash. <laughs> Good plan. Uh, well, and again, I apologize for making you sit through it. And folks at home, if you ha- haven't seen this and you watch it because we've suggested it, or rather I suggested it, I apologize to you, you know, but uh, sometimes, you know, we got to sit through some turds to get to some, to some gems. And, you know, this was, this was a, it was a big thumbs down. It was a big turd. But yep. I apologize. We'll try to pick something better. See, when we let Tom pick, he picks great movies like, you know, the the psychic or, or better movies like Sleepless. I I end up picking Shocking Dark and Panic. Whew. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah, I was gonna say ne- next time you get to, you get the pick. So you know, get on that. Pick us something better because I I need to watch a good, better movie to get this uh, taste out of my mouth. Sounds good. All right. Well, folks. All joking aside, uh, appreciate your patronage and always listening to us. Uh, get down and dirty with these little unseen gems here and uh if you really want to help us out at cinebity generation you know what to do you rate review subscribe click like on, on our links that we share on our posts you know comment let us know maybe possibly what you want to hear us uh do our take on next you know and, and drop us a, an email or two and you know some suggestions but until then, uh, you have been listening to Cinema D Generation's Takeout Edition, and we have been reviewing and dissecting Panic from 1982. As always, thanks for listening. There's an emergency in the laboratory and a serious risk of contamination. Have the emergency squad sent here right away. Repeat, serious risk of contamination. Close all safety doors. Only the emergency squad is to enter the laboratory. Notify Professor Adams and Professor Vince at once. Apply all measures of maximum security.